Hello and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Hoyo. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, you find yourself standing at the intersection of several hallways, feeling confused about which direction you're supposed to be headed. Hi, you look a little lost. It's alright, the corridors around here are a bit of a maze. Where are you trying to go? Oh, just follow me. Through here. Then once more to the left. Here you go. Welcome to the Department of Astrobiology. Yes, we do store a number of classified documents in this wing, but you need properly signed and certified forms and... Well, aren't you well prepared? No, it's just that we do get a fair number of people who try to slip through without proper authorization. You would know all about how long that process takes if you have your authorization with you. Thank you. Let's see. Wait. Why would you want... No, you're right. I'm sorry. I don't have clearance for your projects. I wasn't going to deny you access to the information you're looking for. I just know this is some pretty old documentation. Yes. Just give me a minute to get back there. Alright. I've set up the files you requested, and everything you need to access the information on a desk just around the corner there. Well, yes. Some of the files you requested are in paper form, but quite a few are audio records or microfilm. Sure. If you need any help, I'll be right here. Okay. Good afternoon, my friends. Welcome. The year is 1983. I was a young lad in that year. And I remember we would listen to the radio and we always had our trusty boombox handy, finger at the ready to hit the record button to catch a popular song that we wanted on our homemade mixtapes. I was waiting to catch the song Too Shy by... Kachagugu. I can't even believe I remembered how to say their name right. But remember, this is 1983, and whoa, was it a good year. Elton John made a big comeback that year with Bernie Tobin. He had a major hit on his new album. It was a strange year, a mix of old artists coming back, for revivals 
heavy metal making its way back into the sound next to the new wave sound from England and all kinds of spots urban in the United States. It was the ascension of Prince and Michael Jackson on their way up the ladder. Even Madonna was making her debut around that time. At least that's the way I remember it. And Mr. Mom was at the movie theaters. Mr. Mom with the beautiful Terry Gar and Michael Keaton as her husband. It was a strange movie. But those were strange times. Hollywood was trying to find an answer to all our angst. Mr. Mom was about a husband who lost his job and his wife had to re-enter the workplace while he was trying to figure out what he was going to do with himself. And of course, zany antics galore. It was also the year I ran into my first UFO. That's right. I almost want to do a quiz here. If you're driving down the road after a hunting excursion in the hills and woods of rural Ohio, and you come across a bona fide UFO landing in the country road in front of you, state route, two lanes, white lines on the side and yellow down the middle, and there amongst the cows and the farm fields and the corn lands a UFO right smack dab in the middle of the road. Do you then exit your car with your 12-gauge shotgun and fire a few rounds at the UFO? That might work, right? Well, let's think about it. If this is a bona fide UFO that just traveled across the Milky Way, avoided millions of micrometeorites, asteroids, all kinds of radiation, just to land here and parlay with you. Do you think the pellets and the gunpowder from your 12-gauge shotgun are going to have any effect on that ship, that interstellar, successfully landed ship? It amazes me to this day, as a kid, walking up to a fence post, leaning over and watching a man fire one round after another into a UFO, only to almost kill himself with the buckshot scattering all around him as it was repelled by the vessel that came far from the stars. 
When he was done unloading his weapon, he did the next best thing. Yes, he turned to his partner in crime, who handed him a box of shells, and he began to reload said weapon for another round. Of course, whoever was inside the ship had had what is called enough, and a strange glowing light enveloped the two men. Their arms went rigid to their sides. They dropped their rifle, shotgun, and their shells as they clattered across the hard black asphalt, and their feet raised up off of the pavement. They were suspended in air just about a foot off the ground, their mouths hanging wide open, stunned in amazement, unable to move. Their fingers spread, their legs rigidly straight. A small opening appeared on the silvery UFO, and it was disc-shaped, perfectly looking exactly what you think a UFO would look like from the stars. We know what they all look like. We've seen them in a hundred UFO movies from the 50s and 60s. A round, discus-shaped vehicle, like two frisbees, melded together in the middle. Smooth, and only their landing gear showing any way in or out of the ship. Of course, this one opened up a oval-shaped opening, and the two men were taken inside the vessel. It didn't look much bigger than, say, a semi-truck trailer. It was big, but it barely crossed the road, and then, you know, if you take diameter into consideration, I would say it was maybe the length and diameter of a semi-truck trailer. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was still a young boy at this time in my life. And I, I didn't know what to think. I was almost old enough to drive. I was looking forward to that. And now, right before my eyes, I was seeing something way over what I was used to. An actual UFO. What brought me there was I was mowing the lawn of a uh, landowner nearby. He owned a very big farm that was basically just a retirement home for his mother at this point. And he didn't farm the area much, maybe just for a little hay, but he didn't keep animals and he didn't keep any other kind of livestock or grow corn or cash crops. And he had me mow certain areas to keep it looking very nice. They were like open field areas that they would have big family picnics and 
get-togethers and be able to play ball and stuff like that in the different areas. I had my rider tractor, my wits, and an electric fence between me and a spaceship from beyond the stars. It was making whirring and strange sounds and lights were emanating from it. It scanned the truck that the two men came in. It was idled and in park and just sitting there. And the headlights, radio, everything started coming on and off and on and off as the scanner beams went all over the truck. I guess they were trying to sort out what it was. And then I realized, I think I'm a little too close to what's going on. I was stunned. I was amazed. I didn't know what to think. But I didn't have time to react. Soon the beam traveled out and struck me and my lawnmower. I was, as a biological creature, raised up off the ground about a foot or so. My arms went limp to my sides. I understood now what had actually happened. They just shut my body off. My mouth even fell open. I wasn't stunned and amazed by the beam. I was immobilized by the beam. I traveled the short distance from my tractor across the road to that same opening that had opened up again and inside the vessel I went and it sealed behind me. I was in an all-white space. There was no walls, no ceiling, no floor, at least not discernible. The two men were on beds nearby the beds were arranged in a shape similar to the ovalness of the ship, but the space seemed bigger on the inside than it was on the outside. Were we even in the ship? Were we somewhere else? Did they shrink us down to the size of ants? I, I felt like I was in a football stadium. Acoustics from the men moaning and groaning seemed to echo like I was inside an auditorium or on the stage of the s s school. Wait, that's right, the echo. There was an echo in the room. The men were making noise. We could talk. We could make noise. I said, hello. And my voice echoed in this chamber. I heard nothing back. Hello, can you hear me? Can you guys hear me? Hey, can you guys hear me? I said to the two men that were in there. I tried to move my eyes a little bit to the left and right. I felt I could actually move a little bit. I wasn't immobilized in the same way I was when I was brought inside. I could kind of move, but my hands felt like they were glued to the table. My legs, they couldn't move. But otherwise, I could turn my head a little bit. I could breathe and I could talk. I 
tried to look around the room to see if there was anything besides the three of us, and there wasn't. Soon, two more people entered the space we were in. They must have come across another set of victims. This was a young man and a young girl. I didn't know them, I didn't recognize them, but they looked like they were about my age. The girl had short brown hair, and the young man had blondish hair, a farmer tan on his arms. He was only in a wife-beater white t-shirt, so I figured he was probably one of the local farmer sons, and this might have been his sister, might have been his girlfriend. I had no way of knowing, but they weren't dressed like they were going on a date. They were dressed like maybe they were just going somewhere, like maybe for a ride. Who knows? And that's when the weirdest thing happened. A horse and a cow entered the same space. They were upright, standing, while we were almost in a laying-down position on our backs. Then we felt like we were elevated, and now we were in a similar standing position to the cow and the horse. And that's when I was able to first communicate with somebody in the room. The young girl started screaming. She was frightened beyond belief, and the boy did too. That caused everyone to start a cacophony of sound. The other two men that had came in before me started yelling, screaming, swearing, cussing, cursing, and praying. Even the cow and the horse started bellowing out in their own way. I tried to remain calm. It never pays to panic in a situation like this, no matter how frightened you are. And believe me, I was frightened. This was totally out of my wheelhouse of experiences, and I had no idea what to do. But I didn't have to wait long. Soon, even my own voice quit working. Everything went silent. We were in a standing position, and that's when our captors walked in. Three little, tiny, gray aliens. Grayish green, to be honest, with big, bulbous almond eyes, thin, tiny noses and mouths, huge craniums with huge brain capacity, tiny spindly arms and legs that didn't even look like they could support their bodies, and some semblance of clothing or uniform, some uni universal clothing item, couldn't tell where their skin started and their uniform ended, but it looked like they had cuffs around their wrists. It was strange. And they had devices in their hands. They went from person to person to creature to creature, basically in the order that we came in, pointing, nodding, scanning. We couldn't talk. At least I couldn't, and it was so silent. All I could hear was their clicking and clacking of their voices, clicking and clacking, as they scanned everyone in the room. 
when they came to me. They scanned and they made an audible gasp. They walked up and with a small device they took a pinprick of my skin. They did a scan on whatever sample they took from me and they looked at me oddly. One even walked up and touched my skin and pulled back, touched my face, pulled back. They were in awe, their hands to their mouth, actually looking at something. Were they looking for me? Did I have something about me that was different than everyone else? They talked amongst themselves, almost like a football team huddling. It was a strange, strange thing to experience. Then the same door that brought us in opened up. The horse and the cow and the couple. And then the two hunters exited the craft. They kept me. Oh, this is grand. As a young man, I was so frightened. I got picked for prom, except I'm the only one at the dance. I have to be honest, I started to cry. I was a tough kid, but I started to cry. The tears started rolling down my face. After the last person left the ship, and I was alone with the three individuals, something came over me, almost like a feeling of a, a stroke or a seizure, and I felt my body gain strength gain mobility. I could feel my feet on the floor. The whiteness, the vastness of the room seemed to recede, and I was inside a ship. A ship that was wall-to-wall -wall controls, and a view screen, and knobs and handles, and a pulsing motor right in the middle of the room. One of the aliens walked up to me and reached out his hand, palm up. Well, we have all seen the movie E.T. They were at least being friendly. I saw Close Encounters a hundred times when I was a kid. Maybe they were friendly. And in this case, at least so far, they were. They took me over to a view screen. They walked up to it and it turned on and a grainy black and white film of an older gentleman in a white shirt and a black tie with a clipboard and a pen and a small set of doctor tools was talking he was arguing with two armed guards, and they looked faintly like 1950s uniforms, like MPs, like you see in the movies. It looked like I was watching a movie. And then the camera shifted to a camera opposite the man, and there was a gray alien sitting across from him, one arm across the table, crudely bandaged, 
the other arm holding its head, one eye pinched shut. Obviously, this little creature had been hurt, wounded, damaged. Was he in a fight? Was he tortured? The man was so animated, I couldn't quite understand his voice. It was like his voice was translated into a, another language, and they were nodding their heads, listening, pointing to the screen. They said something to me, and then they pointed at me. They pointed at the screen. He looked like my father. No, he didn't look like my father at all. He looked like my grandfather, Dr. Andrew Michaels. He worked for the government, the Department of Navy, in the 1930s and 40s. He died in 1965, I think. Or was it 66? My grandfather knew these aliens. I struggled to comprehend the situation. I was the same height and body shape as my grandfather. I turned and I said, that's my grandfather, isn't it? That's Dr. Andrew Michaels. I turned and a fourth alien entered space where he came from I I didn't see he walked up to me he had his hands out he put a device up to his mouth he said that's me he said it mechanically like it was translated through a modern computer that's me that's your grandfather. Your grandfather saved me in 1947. Your year, 1947. I was stunned, and I was correct. I couldn't fathom everything that was coming at me. But I was able to say, what do you want with me? They all stopped and looked at me. They said, your grandfather, we need to talk to him. We need to talk to Dr. Andrew Michaels. It is of utmost urgency and importance that we speak to him right away. I turned to them. I kind of fiddled with my shoes. I looked and saw my right shoelace needed tied tighter and that my pants were stuck up around my sock and I had to fix my cuffs. That's the kind of thing that goes through your mind when four aliens ask you about your grandfather. And I was brave, and I was strong, and I looked at them and said, that's going to be pretty hard, because he's been dead for about 25 years. 
I hope you'll join us next week as our story continues and we learn more about the lineage and the story of Dr. Andrew Michaels. Thank you for joining me today, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share, rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuele at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.